Bibles this morning will be in Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Tomorrow our, our nation celebrates its freedom. Today we set aside each year to reflect on the freedoms we enjoy because of the sacrifices made by many of those before us. The signing of the Declaration of Independence establishes the freedoms of all Americans. The preamble to that document says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, which among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. One of the most prominent symbols of our freedom in the United States is the Liberty Bell. The most famous ringing was on July 8th of 1776 when it sounded for the liberty uh, to ring out in the Tower of Independence Hall calling all citizens to come and hear the, per, the first reading of that Declaration of Independence by Colonel John Nixon. In that historic moment, the Liberty Bell fulfilled the purpose designated by its inscription. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to the inhabitants thereof. That inscription was taken from Leviticus chapter 25 verse number 10. Now as God desires for us to have that same purpose in our lives, that we are to proclaim liberty, that it is available only through Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do today. That's why, uh, again, God has called us here uh, in, this, <clears throat> in this world to proclaim His liberty. Now this is a subject that many people uh, have a lot of questions about or have a lot of ideas and thoughts regarding or, or don't really understand the freedoms we have in Christ. Now, there are people today that say, well, I can do anything I want because I'm saved. And I would say, you're right. You can do whatever you want. I can eat donuts and ice cream every day. I can eat a lot of it. I won't feel so good the following day, will I? I can do whatever I want. As believers, we can do whatever we want. We have that liberty. But that liberty is not for us to commit sin. That liberty is not for us to live how we want to live and guide our lives to what I want. Because we don't belong to ourselves. For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. So again, yes, we have liberty. We have freedom. Uh, you know, we stop and think about our country and the freedoms that we have. They have the freedom to burn this flag. I hate that. That bothers me. Because that flag has been draped over many coffins of men and women that have given their life for the freedoms that we enjoy. But yet they still had the freedom to burn that because that's the reason those people have died was to give that freedom. We have freedom. We have liberty in Christ today. But we need to understand what it is that God wants us to do with that liberty we are to worship God. We are to celebrate God. We are to do all these things through Christ. But too many times we get focused on what I want. And our lives are not about self and what I want. It's about God. So as we look here in Romans chapter 6 this morning, we're going to touch on this subject of spiritual liberty. Liberties we have in Christ. Liberties that God has given us. And what is it that we're to do? And how is it that we are to live our lives? Well, as we're looking here in Romans chapter number 6, we'll begin reading in verse number 12. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse number 12, says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members of, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, 
and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God is thanked, but excuse me, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart and from the doctrine that are delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. As we look at these verses this morning, I want to see four actions that each believer needs to continue as we serve the Lord, as we continue to live our lives for Christ. So four simple things that we find in our text this morning, but let's have a word of prayer as we get started. Lord God in heaven, again, we thank you for the freedoms we enjoy. We thank you for another day, a Sunday, Lord, that we can gather together freely to be able to worship you uh, the way you have instructed us to, the way your word describes that we are to do. But Lord, we don't have to follow a certain set of guidelines. We don't have to follow a state religion, if you would. But we can come together and to worship you and exalt you, uh, Lord, freely. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the freedoms that you've given us, Lord, uh, through your spirit, through your sacrifice, Lord, through the salvation you offer us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to be mindful of the things that we find here in, in, in your word, that we apply them to our lives, that we can be faithful to you. Lord, speak to us. Help us this morning, Lord. Understand what it is you have for us. Direct us and guide us, Lord. Help us focus on what it is you have in your word. Lord, we love you again. We thank you for all that you've done. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In looking at the book of Romans, we know that Paul here was addressing the church. Those that had already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And because of this, we see how uh, many of these verses will apply to where we are today as the church of today. The first application that I want you to see uh, here is found in verses 12 and 13. And that is very simply the submission to God. The submission to God. Here we uh, hear the term submission when we're in church. Oftentimes there's only one thing that comes to mind. And uh, it's one thing people don't like to hear. We automatically probably go to Ephesians chapter 5, don't we? I see all the ladies smiling already. <laughs> Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. That's the first thing we think of when we hear that term submission in church. But let me tell you, there's a lot of things in the Word of God that uh, help us uh, with this idea of submission. It's not just for the ladies to submit to their husband. There's a lot of things we need to understand that we are to submit to. If you're saved this morning, you have submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation. It's not the way you wanted it. Well, I want God's salvation, and I'm going to do it this way, uh, my way. No, that's not the way it works. We had to submit ourselves to God. We had to humbly come before God and accept His salvation the way He established it in His Word. So uh, again, submission is not a bad thing. It gave you eternal life. Submission is a very wonderful thing that God has called us to do. We are to submit to Him. Again, every person has submitted to God, whether you realize it or not. We've accepted that salvation. And although each individual has done that, there are many Christians today that do not want to submit to God or the authority in their lives. Some believers uh, think that, uh, again, 
They, they, they're going to lose their identity. They're not going to be able to do what they want if they submit to God. And that's not the purpose at all of what the Bible teaches. In reality, it is the first step of Christianity, submitting to God and what He wants for us to do. And there are many different aspects that we can look at in this area of submission. And Paul addresses two of them here in our text. He says, first of all, we're to submit in our mortal bodies. This is this uh, physical flesh, this shell that we live in on this earth. Uh, he says that we're not to, to let the sin control the physical part of this body. Now, there are some people that will argue that I've got control of this body. It doesn't matter. I, I can change whatever it is. I can fix whatever problems are there. It's my body. I know what to do. And usually when we come to things like that, the first thing that comes to mind is addiction. Those that are addicted to different sins, their bodies have now been controlled by that sin. Whether it's uh, the sin of, uh, of alcoholism or, or drugs or pornography, whatever it may be, those things will drive your body and cause you to, to seek after that and get more of it because you don't have control over it like you think. There's other people that say, well, this is my body, my choice. I don't have to listen to anyone else. I don't have to listen to what they have to say. But that's not the case, as I said. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. If you're saved this morning, you do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. And everything we are to do, everything in our lives, should be honoring and glorifying to Him. Not to self, not to exalt me, not to lift me up, but to lift up God. Not only does He have a right because of our salvation, but also because He is our Creator. Now, if I was to create something and, and, and make something out of clay, and I would have the right to make it however I wanted to. And I would have the right to, to, to do with it, in the end, whatever I desired. If I wanted to break it up and smash it, that's my right as the creator. God says, I'm your creator. I am worthy of your worship. I am worthy of being exalted because I have created you. This means what we do with our physical body. Where we take it, what we subject it to, should be done for God's glory. Not only does Paul mention our mortal bodies, but in verse number 13 he mentions our movements as well. Every part of our lives, our bodies, can be used for either good or bad. Understand that. Everything we have can be used for good or bad. There's a lot of people who say that, you know, I don't like this because it's so bad. Uh, you know, it used to be a, in a, uh, years gone by that you'd never find a piano in a, a church because uh, it was always in the honky tonks, as they say. It was a bad thing. There's people today that say technology is a bad thing because there's so many bad things on the internet. It's amoral, which means it has no spirit, it has no soul. It can be used for good or evil, whatever you decide as an individual. We have a choice. God did not create robots. Aren't you thankful for that? All of us acting and talking the same way uh, drive me crazy. But we have a choice on what we do. We have a choice who we can worship. We have a choice on what we can do. We have a choice to be in church on Sunday morning. We have a choice not to. We have to figure out how much of it do we love God and what do we want to give to Him. Are we submitting ourselves to God? Submitting what it is that God would have us to do. We are nothing more than a tool placed in God's hand. God wants to use each and every one of us in some way 
some fashion, some form. We've got to learn to submit ourselves to the Lord. Here I am. What do you want me to do? What is it that you would have me to do in my life that would bring you honor and glory? How often do we submit ourselves to God? How often do we stop and think about that? How many times do we go before God humbly praying and asking Him to use us in whatever way He would have? That should be a continual thing, by the way. A daily request that we bring before the Lord. Lord, you've got something for me today. What is it that you want me to do today? Unfortunately, there are many that don't want to be used by God. They allow their God-given ability to be used for self, never benefiting God. I'm not saying that we have to be missionaries in the jungles of Africa. I'm not saying we've got to go to some far foreign land, but God has placed us here to be a light. Are we being that light? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Some may say, well, I can't teach. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. But you have an ability somewhere. You've got something that you can do. And you may say, God, I don't know. I don't have anything. God says, yes, you do, because I gave it to you. I know what you're capable of. Love. I know what you can do if you would simply surrender and submit to me. Allow me to use whatever it is you have. So again, we've got to learn to submit ourselves to God. Understand that that submission is not a bad thing. It's something simply allowing God to use us and whatever He sees fit. Submitting to God does not limit us. It does not hinder our lives. But it will help us separate from sin, which is our second action this morning. Separation from sin as we look at verses 14 and 15. Again, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Again, verse number 14 is a wonderful promise that we have Victory over sin because of the power of Jesus Christ. No sin uh, has rule over us if we separate from it. We've got to learn to, to push away from it, to get away from it. There's a lot of people say, well, uh, you know, I, I have a sin of, of drinking water. But, you know, I, I can't help it. It's, and, and they keep it right next to them. The further we get from it, the better off we will be. The further we can push away from it, the better off it's going to be for our lives. There are too many people that, uh, that are, want to stay as close as they can to that sin that they know they have a problem with. If you've got a problem with something, if it's a sin that's hindering your life, get away from it. Have somebody hold you accountable. You really want to have some business about it? Have accountability partner. They will help you stay away from it. They will help you push away from it. You know, I've wondered many times how the unsaved survive life. How is it that those that do not have the Lord Jesus Christ make it through the trials that they have to endure? I think about the, the, the trials we go through just as believers in understanding we have the grace of God, we have the blessings of God, the promises of God to help us get through those trials. But they have nothing. They can't claim victory over their sin like we can. They can't claim victory over their problems like we have because we've accepted Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be unto God, which giveth us, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory because of Jesus Christ. We have victory because of the salvation we have submitted to. Paul speaks of no longer being under the law, but under grace. Now this is an argument that has gone throughout the, the, 
the ends of time, understanding law versus grace. There's different denominations and religions that believe in law versus grace. But what is it that we need to understand? What is it that Paul was saying here in understanding this idea of law versus grace? Some believe that they're saved by the law. They are saved by their actions. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Again, we believe what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, that we are saved by grace through faith. It is all of God and none of us. It's everything that He has done that has helped us and given us the salvation that He offers. But yet remember, this church, or this letter was addressed to the church at Rome. So they had already come to the point of accepting Christ as their Savior. What they were struggling with or trying to, to have benefit from was they were trying to live under the law, follow the law, do those things, but yet they were living in the age of grace. Now, aren't you thankful you don't have to follow the law today? I don't know if I could even name all the... There's hundreds of laws. Um, some people have said that there's 316 different laws that the, the, the Jews had to abide by. There's no way we could remember them all. There's no way we could understand them all. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to, to worry about the law and follow those different things. And there's some people say, well, at least they had it identified. At least they had it outlined saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, because these are sin. You know, the Bible gives us the same thing. But even under the age of grace, we have something far better than what the Old Testament saints had. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can go back and look at the Ten Commandments, and there's people that say, well, those that lived under those commandments uh, had everything outlined for them, and they knew what they were to do and how they were to do it, and that's great. But as we live in this age of grace, it's much more stringent than what the Jews had under the law. What does the Ten Commandments say? Thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? We understand that. It says that uh, you have to commit murder. Yeah, that's understandable, right? But what does the New Testament say about that? If you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. Well, wait a minute. You don't even have to shoot him. You, commit, you, you hate him in your heart. You've already done it. It says we're not to commit adultery. The New Testament says if you've lusted in your heart towards someone else, you've already done it in, you've done it in your heart. It's already done. It's already... It's more stringent living under grace than it was under the law. Why is that? Because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He is there to guide us, to direct us, to teach us all things, as the Bible says. So this law versus grace was not something that, that we should have issues with. It's not something we should be questioning about. Again, there's people that say, well, I have liberty to do whatever I want. As Paul would say, we'll quote Paul, God forbid, don't ever think like that. Don't ever think that I can do whatever I want just because I'm living in the age of grace. Because God holds us more accountable. Because He's given us far more. We have the complete perfect Word of God, do we not? We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, correct? So we have far greater advantages of living that life than what the Old Testament saints had. But yet there are people that use that as an excuse to do whatever I want. You can't live like the world Monday through Saturday, come to church, and think everything's okay. You can't sow your wild oats throughout the week and then come to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. It doesn't work that way. You will reap what you sow. 
And this is why, again, it's important that we understand as we're under grace, we've been given grace by God, yes, as we are following what He has told us to do throughout His Word. Christian liberty does not give us that right to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, as some people think. As we read here, verse number 15, Paul says that we should not just do what we want because we don't have to live under that law. In reality, again, it's, it's much harder. It's much more stringent because the Holy Spirit is there to teach us. This idea of law and grace still comes back to the submission and the separation that we have. Are we following God with our whole heart, with our, all of our might, so we can live a life that is pleasing to Him? Or are we just doing what we want to do because it pleases self? This leads us to the next action, and that is the servanthood of the believer. In verse number 16, the servanthood of the believer, verse number 16 again says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Paul continues his response to the earlier objection that whatever we give in to is what will control us. This goes back to what Paul told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. Oftentimes we look at this verse uh, on drinking, and, and that's the only focus that we look at. But it says that, And be not drunk with wine, where it is his excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That's the focus of that verse, is being filled with the Spirit. Not being filled with something else that's going to influence you, something else that's going to drive you, but to be filled with the Spirit and allow the Spirit to control our lives. Whatever we allow into our lives will influence us whether we like it or not. When we follow that certain radio personality or we continually read works uh, from a specific author allowing their opinions to direct our thoughts, then that's the influences we're putting into our lives. We stop and we may look at our children. Maybe when your kids were growing up, you would not allow them to watch certain things because you thought it was a bad influence. What about as an adult? Are we allowing that same guideline in our life? Or was that just for the kids back when they were growing up? No, it should be for us as well. We need to continually watch who it is that we allow into our minds, into our homes. Because that's what's going to drive us to establish the opinions that we have. This is why Satan is so adamant about tempting us with a variety of things and a variety of directions. He wants us to change our way of thinking. He doesn't want that godly influence in our life. He doesn't want us to focus on the Bible and what it has to say. He wants us to look to something else. Or your influence is leading you to following closely to God or to the world. That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Paul mentions here the sin unto death. What does that mean in this text? Paul is telling us that there are two families that you can belong to. God's family through salvation or Satan's family through our inherited sin nature. And just because we are saved doesn't mean that sin does not affect us. Because it does. When we allow those worldly influences, we are, are caused uh, to follow them and to do what they want. And from that point, uh, we can easily sway other people to go down the wrong path. Well, if they're a believer, uh, I'm going to do what they do. And if they go wrong, guess what? People are going to follow you. Think of what the most influential people and products are in the world right now. Hollywood's agenda is not leading you to salvation or obedience to following the Word of God. 
It doesn't lead you to the righteousness that Paul states here. We think about the Disney Corporation. Uh, they don't care about your belief in God. They don't care about what you think and what you understand. They're trying to pull you in the opposite direction of everything the Bible teaches. Oh, wait a minute. Disney's all great and fun. and No, it's not. They're the most perverted company out there. They are pushing the, the homosexual agenda more than anyone else. And they're taking your kids with them, by the way. We need to be careful of what we allow into our lives. There are very few professional athletes, politicians, or even well-known people who proclaim Christ and actually follow through with what they say they believe. Those are the influences we allow into our homes and into our families and into our lives. And they will continually push their sinful agenda. The second influence Paul mentions here is the obedience under righteousness. How important is your time with God? Is your time of prayer and Bible study so important to you that you will not go a day without having it? There's a lot of people that say, well, it doesn't matter. I'll do that another day. I'll do that another time. Is it not that important to you? Tell you what, I don't want to go a day without seeing my wife. I don't want to go a day without talking to my wife. She's that important to me. But God should be even more important than that. Is church attendance something that you consider important enough that it's not to be questioned? It was never a question when I was growing up whether we were going to church or not. There was no question. But that there are people today that proclaim to be Christians that get up on Sunday morning and their kids have to ask, are we going to church today? It shouldn't be that way at all. We should set the standard. We establish that in our home that it's important for us to be in church. We can talk the talk all the time, but when it comes down to it, are we walking the walk? If I asked your kids, your best friend, or those that know you, would they say that you are obedient unto righteousness? When I say that, we must look at God's definition of obedience, not our own. Who is it, and what is it that we are servants to? We've got to stop and think. Who is it that we are allowing to influence our lives? Where is it the direction that they're leading me? Paul, throughout this epistle, weaves the gospel to reiterate the need for salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is what we find here in verses 17 and 18 as we come to our fourth action, and that is spiritual liberty. Spiritual liberty. Look again at verses 17 and 18. It says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Are you thankful for your salvation that was offered to all of mankind through Jesus Christ? I'm grateful that it wasn't just set aside for a certain group of people. I'm thankful that it wasn't just for one sect of people, but it was for all of mankind. It was for everyone. Anyone that wanted it could have it. And it's still that way today. But I'm afraid there are many believers here that take their salvation for granted, never taking the time to say thank you to the God that has sacrificed all for what we have. I want to continually offer thanks to God. I want to be a person that is thankful for what He's given us. Again, we're, we're told this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips and the giving thanks in His name. How often do we just say, thank you, God? Many times we just come to God with a laundry list of, of problems or, or needs or wants that we have instead of just coming to God and saying, thank you. 
God, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for the salvation that is offered to all of mankind and that I was able to accept it. Thank you for giving that to me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for where you've placed me to live. Thank you for this great country. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've blessed me with. You know, we need to have a, a time just of being thankful. Stop asking for everything and just give thanks to God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, taking that payment of my sins, I have accepted that free gift. Paul was very specific here and mentions that you obey from the heart. That salvation that is given to us is not just some words. It's not just going through the motions. It's a true heartfelt, deep understanding of what God has sacrificed for you and I. A complete trust given to Him. Once we have that liberty in Christ, we have the freedom from the bondage of sin. Again, spiritual liberty gives us the victory over death, the hell, and the grave. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Spiritual liberty provides a right way for us to live. And it provides it right now. It's not something we have to look forward to when we get to heaven. Hey, it's going to be great that we're going to have uh, our spiritual liberty. We're going to have to have something to live there and look forward to. No, we can have it right now. Again, you look back at verse number 1 there of chapter 8. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. It says, now, right now, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have freedom right now. You have that liberty to enjoy right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we find where the Apostle Paul, again, is addressing those who are judging others by their sins and making themselves better. We would never do that, I'm sure. But they were looking at others and how bad they were and the sins that they were committing and had given a long list of sins. But Paul comes back and says there in verse number 11, and says, but such were some of you. But such were some were of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I'm so thankful that I have been washed. That I have been sanctified. That I have been justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand the doctrines that the Bible teaches us that we have freedom in Christ. For the saved, we are no longer in the bondage of sin, but we have become servants of righteousness, according to verse number 18. I am a servant of God because I love Him. I owe Him my life for all that He has done for me. And because I have liberty in my worship to Him, in my service to Him, I can demonstrate my love in every way possible because of what Christ has done for me. Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts, but freedom in Christ. I have the freedom to worship in Christ. I can celebrate my love for Christ. I can share my faith boldly because of Christ and all that He has done for me. It's all about Him and nothing about me. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13 says, For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion on the flesh, but by love serve one another. We have liberty in Christ if we would submit to Him, separate from sin, and serve the one true God. This is what Christian liberty gives us. This is what spiritual liberty is about. It's not about doing what you want to do. 
It's about having the opportunity and the ability to worship God, to serve Him as He sees fit, as we are used by Him. Again, just another tool in His hand to exalt Christ. Have you ever stopped to think about your spiritual liberty? Do you ever stop to think about the freedoms we have in Christ? Not that we are limited. Not that it takes away our freedom. Not that it takes away the individual that we want to be. But that we have liberty through Christ. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I know this, is, again, is a, a difficult subject to look at. And we